Well, hello, everybody. It is maintenance day. We are back. Lance Lasowski of the Buffalo News and myself, Joe Yurden, we are back. Uh, we forgive us for the little break. Uh, don't worry. There's no strife between Lance and I. There's we're, we're doing fine there. That's it's fine. Uh, the Rochester Americans decided to uh, kind of throw a wrench into the works by doing really well in the Calder Cup playoffs, uh, of which they were just eliminated. But uh, we, we there is a lot to get into, uh, not just about the Amherst, but about lots of other Sabre stuff as well. Uh, but let me f- formally bring in Lance Lasowski. Lance, hello. Oh, hi, Joe. Yeah, I felt like if there were a lot of weeks there um, since the Sabres ended that I felt like, given the topics and given everything else we were working on, we couldn't really deliver a podcast that, I don't know, that was quality in terms of the topics, how rough it would be. So, you know what? Um, Unexpected little break here, but we're back at it. Combine is this week. Then it's right Mm -hmm. into draft stuff. But it is hard to believe that. I mean, I know I I don't know about you. I'm sure you've gotten the question a lot. So, oh, the offseason, what have you been doing? Uh, Well, we've still been covering (laughs) hockey. What what offseason? Yeah, it is not offseason for for us will not start until mid to late July, which is totally fine. It's a lot Mm -hmm. better doing that and covering some playoff games, no matter the level, than. You know, sort of twiddling your thumbs or shaking your shaking your head, um, you know, lifting your shoulders, wondering uh, when you're going to get back at it. So, yeah, um, glad that we have a full slate here, though. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's a pleasant change of of circumstances, to, to put it that to put it lightly. Um, certainly, you know, I, I obviously I've been keeping myself pretty busy with bleacher report stuff. Uh, lots of the NHL playoffs go on forever. So there's plenty to talk about for me on that side of things. And you know what, you know, I, I know the AHL does not get quite the attention the NHL does uh, to say the least. Um, but let's, let's get right to it. Uh, the Amherst run is pretty impressive. I got to say for a team that came in, what they were the fourth, third, fourth team, fourth seed in the division. And then, you know, they were able to get a pass in the first round and, and escape or the initial first round and escape having to play a best of three. But um, took care of a lot of uh, old foes along the way before running into the oldest of foes in the Eastern Conference final with Hershey. But boy, oh boy, what a run from the Amherst and what a lot so much that they showed across the board with their talent. Yeah, they did, you know, Jason Carmanos and, and Seth Appert did such a nice job rounding out the margins of that roster. You know, of course, you have your guys on your your NHL deals, you've got your prospects, but to find and develop players like Brendan Warren, Cohen Olashevsky, mm-hmm. adding Zach, Zach Matza, who was really good in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, Mason Jobs has been a really good find. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that we'll see him back in Rochester next year. So, you know, I know that we talk and write about the prospects for good reason. We cover the Sabres. We don't cover the Amherst, but you know, they, I was just really impressed with just the, the actual team that they built down there. Plus you got guys like Sean Malone gets into a different role. He's more, mm-hmm. more defensive, a lot of defensive zone face-offs, killing penalties. And, you know, he obviously delivered a, a really impressive playoff as well. Yeah. Looking, uh, looking up and down the board of uh, the playoff scorers. Anyways, we, 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 discussed some regular season stuff before but you look at the, the guys that were their top top five top six scorers there even well just well t- you don't want to go too deep into <laughs> team scoring in the playoffs because it gets a little bit uh close but 
you know, it's Captain Michael Mersch leading the way in scoring with Mason Yobst and, you know, two guys on AHL deals, which, you know, I, I know as far as our Sabre-centric listeners go, they go, yeah, who cares about them? But those guys help the guys that are on NHL contracts along, which includes Lucas Rusek, who is right behind them with 12 points. Yuri Kulik had 11 points in 12 games, including seven goals to lead the team. You know, Lawrence Pilot had 11 had 11 points. Brett Murray and Linus Weisbach with 10 points each. And Weisbach was fighting injury the last, that whole series against Hershey, uh, going back to uh, the Toronto series where he was injured initially. So pretty great turnout all around from guys that are both Rochester only and guys that do have hopes of, of coming up with the Sabres. I mean, everybody's got hopes of coming up with the Sabres. Let's be real. But um, but guys that actually have NHL contracts uh, in their pockets as well. And even Sean Malone. Sean Malone had nine points. And like you pointed out, was playing a lot more defensive minutes and situations. So uh, really interesting team. Isak Rosane had four goals, you know, eight points. So it's, it's a very interesting set of players that they had really kind of rise up through the playoffs. And it was, I mean... Different guys each night, but the same guys every night. Yeah, and what's interesting about you know Weisbach and Murray uh, are the two that really stand out to me. That they would have gotten call call ups to Buffalo if there were honestly any injuries. The four group mm-hmm. or the Sabers throughout the year, they never got it. Um, and both in different ways took different steps in their game to to become closer to to NHL ready to be considered guys that you know you want to have around who are really important depth players. Uh, I thought, you know, Brandon Byro would have been in that mix of course, but you know, he didn't get to play in the playoffs with a mm-hmm. you know, unfortunate timing of his season ending injury. I just, you know, Murray's an interesting one. I believe he's an RFA and with the Sabres getting Jordan Greenway, what does that mean for Brett Murray? We'll find out. And then like mm-hmm. Linus Weisbach, I think he's, he's just a great depth forward bottom six yeah. guy that, you know, I, I I think would be wise to hang on to Joe, especially with what this, you know, the Sabres need on the penalty kill. He's a guy I think you can bring him up and he, he adds a really nice dimension with the speed and there's enough skill there, obviously that he could put the puck in the back of the net and make plays. Yeah. Weisbach really impressed me with his ability to be an effective penalty killer, uh, which I think hurt them as he got hurt in the playoffs because they lost the guy who was just a, just a hound on the puck all over the ice. I mean, he, he was a menace to Syracuse in games four and five uh, in that first round where he was just on top of everything all over the ice. Really impressive play. And he had a knack for scoring goals as well, uh, which we did see through the playoffs. You know, he, he popped a couple goals against uh, Hershey in game four, was it? Yeah, it was game four, uh, which uh, Rochester unfortunately uh, lost in a brutal way, giving up four four goals in the third period to lose that game. But um, but yeah, I Weisbach really impressed me, and he's a guy who, you know, maybe it's first impressions, you know, that stick with you. But after watching him play at Wisconsin for four years and just kind of, you know, he was you know he was supposed to be a big you know a bigger scorer in college, but he did pretty well. I mean, it wasn't he was he wasn't a bad scorer by any means, but um, but you know he kind of blew up on the scene once Cole Caulfield <laughs> rolled in for his one year with the Badgers, and you know the numbers kind of took off. So there was a little bit of an Evan Rodriguez parallel to a degree there, but uh, but Weisbach can play. I, you know, I if anything, size might be a detriment for him. 
NHL wise, but I mean, the guy can hang. I mean, he's, he's got some, I mean, I hate using the word grit all the time, but he's got some grit to his game. He's, you know, he's a hard nosed dude on the puck. He's not going to blow people up with hits or anything, but he can play and his speed, his speed helps him, you know, stay in these games and, and, and be an effective player. Another tier of prospects, um, I think that are definitely worth talking about for, for different reasons. Um, Cedarquist, who obviously, you know, we saw his impact in that series against Hershey, big body, you know, when you're six foot three and I think his game has come so far since they drafted him four years ago, I'm really mm-hmm. interested to see what he can do with another full season. There were flashes of it in the playoffs, um, that mm-hmm. physical presence. And I assume he's going to get a bigger role next year. You know, Kozak started really well in the playoffs. You saw him, yeah. especially against um, Syracuse and Toronto. Maybe there was a little bit of a drop off playing against a team like Hershey, but I mean, I think it's pretty clear that that kid was a heck of a fine for where they got him. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then and Rusek, I think we talked about. There were a lot of really real highs for him in the playoffs, but there were also times where I kind of wanted more out of him with the puck. I think defensively it was there, um, but where he's at in his development, I just thought you know it was kind of up and down a, a bit, which I was a little surprised about. Yeah, um, sorry, I, I I got caught off. I got caught thinking about Kozak's play. Yeah, and it, it it's I don't know. I, 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 keep, I come back to him a lot just because of what we saw from him in the rookie camp ahead of the prospects challenge and watching a guy like that practice against his own teammates. And you're like, wow, this guy's this guy's kind of on top of things. This guy's right, right in the mix of everything. And then you saw him against, uh, you know, some of the Bruins and the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Bruins and Devils and the Habs and Sens prospects there. And you're just like, I don't know, man, this guy's got some game to him. This he might be he might be a player and. I know he was a guy who went through his junior career and you know blew up that last year where he had what 30, 30 some goals or something and you're like, is this kind of like found money a little bit, but given where they you know where they where they got him in the draft and whatnot and uh, but boy oh boy he really impressed me with how he was able to just be a solid defensive player you know get you know getting in lanes blocking shots all that kind of stuff he seemed to puck seemed to be a bit of a magnet to him in the defensive end uh and it not an inept player in the offensive side of things either which i thought was was pretty good now granted hershey's a little different because kozak's not a big guy uh and hershey's loaded with big guys yeah and so they kind of had their way with him a bit yeah he plays a big man's game too and you know playing that game playing that role he was on a line with malone a lot a lot of d-zone starts um it's tough to really assert yourself and get to the way you want to play when you're on the ice against, I mean, there were so many of their forwards who were, you know, if, if they weren't, you know, big, bigger and stronger, they were veterans. They were savvy, like guys who have been in the league for a while scored, you know, some big goals. So I really like valuable season for him from a learning perspective. Cause you know, we, a year ago, nobody would have thought that he was going to be in Rochester. Um, no, one of those guys who was impacted by the pandemic didn't get a whole lot of games. So you wondered, all right, is it too soon? They they gambled on it. They brought him in a little sooner than I think anybody expected, but he earned it. You know, you touched on it. The prospects challenge and training camp. I thought he was dynamite in both. And you know, with um with more experience and other you know summer of getting stronger, I want to see what he does next season when he's probably going to be in a position where he's playing with more skilled guys and, and maybe getting some some more offensive zone starts to show what kind of skill that he has. 
Yeah, and there's certainly going to be a lot more skill in Rochester next season. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves there. We'll we'll get into that for a bit. But um, the the guy everybody had their eyes on the second he showed up out of uh, showed up at at the end of the uh, the the, uh, the CHL playoffs was Matthew Savoy, and I mean obviously obviously he's going to get a ton of attention. You know, first round pick last year. You know, the he was their nine, number nine pick overall. I, point out they had another first round pick on their team from last year that was already doing very well all season long but um but i but you know savoy comes in and ever i don't know what the expectation was for him i think a lot of people expected him to show up and just start dangling everybody Mm -hmm. and outscoring the world and you know showing everybody ah saber's got another big one here but that's really hard to do when <laughs> you're coming into a team that's very tight knit, uh, and one where you know even Seth Appert said, you know, you know, it's great to bring these guys in to have them here and, and to learn from these guys, but you like to stick with your lineup. You like to stick with the guys that have been there with you all season long. And you know, Savoy's coming in, you know, gets what one two practices maybe, and then he's right into game two against Hershey. And you're like, wait a minute, buddy, hang on, let's uh, let, let's see what happens here. And it was a struggle, but I, listen, am I going to put him down for it? No, like you're flying into a team that's played 80 games together in the playoffs against a very difficult opponent. Like that's hard. Yeah, I disagree with the notion or the opinion that they shouldn't have played him. Remember, game one yeah. in that Hershey series, their speed was the difference. Like, mm-hmm. if you, from a coaching perspective, if you looked at game one, you watched all the video, and, and you're Seth Appert, you're thinking, if we can even get more speed in the lineup, Matt Savoy, that could be the difference, right? Because we can't beat them at a heavy game. That's Hershey's strength, but our strength is speed. So let's lean into that a little bit more. And, Savoy came in. He had one full practice. You're right. The other one was an optional practice where I think a lot mm-hmm. of the guys who were in the lineup for game for game one got got a, a breather. But, you know, it, it's a tough assignment. I think it's invaluable experience. Um, yeah. And I think a big piece of it is right. Like not only putting him in, but, you know, they took out Ciderquist, um and bringing out taking out somebody like that, that big body. Maybe that's somebody that Savoy would have benefited skating next to, right? It, it's tough building a lineup. Who are you going to take out? Should they have taken out somebody else with, with, who's more of a skilled guy to, to mm-hmm. sort of offset it? That's my only question I have um, with building the lineup. But again, like these are such easy decisions to make in hindsight. Um, I thought it was great that they got him games. I don't disagree with that at all. I don't disagree with taking him out when they did. Um, I yeah. think that was a big, you know, he got a, it was an eye-opening experience that will help him prepare for the summer. That guy is going to be pretty darn motivated, not only by what happened with his brief time in Rochester, but remember, he didn't have a goal in the WHL final series. Uh, he it wasn't his best hockey against Seattle either for those few games. And that's the sort of thing when you have a player like Matt Savoy, who's competitive as he is, I think he's going he's gonna to do a lot of good with that. Yeah, and you know what? There, there's a lot of, it's a lot of things in his bucket of motivation. There's, there's that. Uh, there's also, you know, the 
I had to be the, the <laughs> forgive me. I had to be the jerk to ask him about, you know, you know, what kind of motivation not being, you know, not being put on the Canadian uh, world junior team was for him. And it's so you know. political and like they held it against him that he went and played in the USHL during the pandemic. Right. Cool. Uh, he wanted to play in the USHL before that. And they put a stop to it. He wanted to go the college route, just like his brother, because he was so highly skilled. Hockey Canada said, Oh no, you can't do that. Don't do that. When, it's just so petty and to hold it yeah. over a kid's head like that, which is quite clearly what happened there. Sorry to interrupt you. Guys. Yeah, no, no. So that's, stupid. That's that's proper context for for yeah. for all of that, because, you know, those are those are I mean, that's an ancient fight as far as, you know, jun, you know, junior hockey stuff goes. And you know, the yep. college versus junior stuff. I these were wars that we used to arguments that we used to have on message boards back in the back in the early 2000s. But I mean. It's so dumb. It's so it's such a dumb thing to get pissy about uh, on both sides because USA Hockey is as guilty of it as anybody too. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> God help you being an American player going to play playing in the CHL because I don't, oh God, how could he? We we got a hundred other better kids here that can play. Oh, sure, okay, yeah, right, okay. But I mean. It's it's such a dumb it's such a dumb fight to pick. You're picking it with a player from your own country to do it too, and just be like, oh, you're not helping us out here. Like, so what, dude? Like, and if anything, if anything, Savoy showing exactly like his entire situation is the reason why some guys will go to the USHL because if you get drafted out of the USHL, hey, you're good, you're good to go. You can you can do whatever you want. But as soon as you get drafted out of the CHL, well, you're screwed because you got to either play there till you're 20 or you got to make the NHL right away, which is exactly where Matt Savoy is stuck now because his birthday is one day too late. So he's got to play junior hockey or NHL next year or nothing, which is yeah. just so stupid. But hockey, yeah, that whole agreement hasn't. They just the CHL. Everybody talks about oh, it's the best the players' best interest in mind. No, it's not. It's the owners' best interest in mind. They're just trying to make money. Uh, that's right. why that that development agreement is in place. So they can, and a lot of you know a lot of Canadians, including the media up there, they defend it. But I'm sorry, there's no reason to defend that. I mean, you're no. putting players in a you know look at what Shane Wright had to go through. Get ready because mm-hmm. Matt Savoy might have to go through the same thing next year, and it's nonsense. No, and it it it's it's a negative effect on a player's development because you know I mean you look at what happened with Wright, and you know it just it was constant you know you know jerking his chain all over the place where it's like oh no he made he made the team in Seattle no he didn't like we know he's like you're not playing him at all and when you do you play him you're playing him eight nine minutes a game like he didn't make the team he's just there because you don't want to send him directly back to junior hockey uh, you're, you're just keeping him warm so that when he goes to world juniors, he's all set. Um, I don't, is Savoy even going to be eligible for world juniors this upcoming year? Like, I don't, like, he would be eligible, but the question is, are they going to take him? Cause right. they, they didn't take him last year for petty reasons. There's no any guarantee. They're going right. to take him this time around. And I think that, you know, it's a good point to make because the world juniors is a big reason why you would, take the Shane Wright route for a lack of a better mm-hmm. way of, of phrasing it with Savoy, because that's with the cards that you're dealt, that's probably the best play that you have. But this is why, you know, some general managers when they're picking high in the draft and it's between a CHL guy and a guy who's going, maybe the, maybe the college route or who, who's maybe European, they might lean the other way. Cause it's a headache. It really mm-hmm. is for everybody involved. Yeah. And I mean, geez, it's, 
it, it, it's such a it's so annoying too just because what's archaic it's like the, the right. whole development agreement would have made sense a decade ago but look at how many young guys are not only playing in the american league but having success in the american league yuri cooley goes in at 18 because he's physically ready mm-hmm. he's okay like imagine that kid playing junior again this year it would have been a joke <laughs> <laughs> right i think i think all of us i think everybody agreed that if he went and played in the queue this year he would have it would have been, yeah. He would have been annihilating. It would have a annihilated people. Probably scored sixty some goals, and then you're like, whoa! I can't believe this kid. It's like, well, what is he proving? He's not I think, proving anything. I, I think we made that determination after like two development camp practices. Like this kid's <laughs> not going to the queue. Like well, I don't know what they're doing with him, but he's not going to the queue. He was right. just way above anything. <laughs> like, yeah, it would have been silliness. So. You know, I think the people, you know, they some people who maybe didn't pay attention to watch those games might be critical of Savoy or, or maybe take it as a knock. But remember, like Isak Rose, and this is a perfect example, because at the start of the year, if I mean, if you would have put that kid right into the playoffs, it would have been tough. But yeah. look at how far his game came from the, the, you know, from I think back to development camp. And it was the first time he had been on the ice in like five months and he struggled like mm-hmm. it. He wasn't like all that great until it took him until about world juniors in August to, to get back to where he was beforehand. But it was a project. He had to learn the defensive responsibilities. And by the end, he was one of their best defensive forwards in terms of just picking up coverages, being in the right spots, disrupting plays, you know, stripping pucks, turning them over in the neutral zone. And that's with getting a lot of D zone starts on that line with Sean Malone. So like, mm-hmm. like that's a perfect example. And, I got to give the Sabres credit because they were very aggressive on the development track for Rose and they could have said, okay, well let's give him another year in the SHL. You know, he didn't get to play a whole lot. Let's see how he does over there and then make a decision. No, they wanted to bring him over because they wanted his development in their hands, which speaks Mm -hmm. not only to the confidence they had in the player, but the confidence they had in the coaching staff in Rochester that you give a player with that skill set to Seth Appert and Michael Pekka in particular, you're going to get what you, what Rose had turned into by the end of the year. And now, like, I can't wait to see him in NHL training camp next year mm-hmm. and see what he looks like, you know, at that skill level. Yeah, I, I, I can foresee another year in Rochester for him, but I could Damn. see I could see a lot of ability that he'll show that will make people go like, I don't know, maybe he can make maybe he can. Cra-. I mean, cracking forward, Rost- cracking the forward roster for the Sabres next season is going to be really difficult. It's going to be really hard to do, uh, especially if you're a young player and you haven't made a claim at a an actual spot on a line. Like you're just not they're not going to have you come and hang out as a scratch all year unless you're Matthew Savoy, because that's what you just have to do for <laughs> for for messing around with the with the timelines and whatnot. But um, but I Rosane, I mean, geez, I remember watching Rosane in the beginning of the year being like, boy, this guy's getting knocked around, which you kind of expected because he was like 155 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. Pardon my French. Larger player. Pardon <laughs> my French, but Yuri Kulik uh, told Isak Rosane that he was shit at development camp. I thought he was a terrible player based on it. So, which I thought was humorous. So they still talk about it today. But um, I mean, they're, he's, they're, they're, they're he's best come such a long way. People. Yeah, he's come such a long way. I remember he had that hand injury that ended his season last year. So um, I'm with you. I think he goes back to Rochester and they're going to put him in position. He just needs to spend a summer in the gym. He just needs to get stronger. But I think hockey sense, you know, defense, the skill, like he's – He's trending up in a big way, and I'm just really impressed with the strides that he's made over the last, you know, several months. Yeah, he it was 
you, you know he's a different, not a different kind of player, but a but a gr- more grown up player where you see him throwing hits as opposed. Because I mean, geez, the entire Syracuse series he was being targeted by every Syracuse checker on the ice because they're just like hit that kid. No, like he he's gonna break down at some point. He just kept coming back. He just kept bouncing back and saying like I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. Like whatever, hit me, fine. I'm just still gonna get a goal here. I'm still gonna create an opportunity. Hershey was trying to do the same thing, and then. Rosane was dishing it back. There's a few times where I'd see, you know, somebody, you know, lay a hit along the board. I was like, who did that? I was like, wait, is it Rosane? Okay. All right, buddy. Go get him. You know, it's, it's that kind of stuff where you see, you know, guys maybe that, um, you know, even like three months ago, you're like, well, this guy's never going to throw a hit all season. How could he? And then he's out there and he's a lot stronger on the puck. He's a lot stronger in his D and the DN, all that stuff. And you're like, all right, you're seeing you're you're seeing guys growing up in front of your eyes, and you know sometimes you you don't realize it, but then there are moments like that where you're like, oh, okay, this guy this guy could be a this guy can be a player a lot sooner. Yeah, he under he under he began to understand, and this this started in the regular season. What JJ Paterka and Jack Quinn saw in the NHL this year, where mm-hmm. guys are going to target you, but when they do, they're going to get themselves out of position. To where it's going to create an opportunity for, if not yourself, but somebody, one of your other teammates on the ice. And it did a few times in that Syracuse series where, you know, the crunch chased a hit to try to, to level Roseanne or even Kulik. Both of them had the same sort of bullseye on them. And mm-hmm. it got Syracuse out of position and led to that series and in the way that it did. Um, yeah. You know, Joe, when it comes to Kulik, there's no he's going to be in the NHL next year, right? Like, yeah. With the way he played, because Syracuse, you got the, the final numbers. I know it wasn't his best series, but he was generating chances the entire time. Didn't look mm-hmm. overwhelmed. Like his playoff, you know, combined with the regulars, it reminds me a lot of what we saw from J.J. Paterka in the playoffs last year, where like he got it. Like he figured it out. He was, he was really excelling against big, heavy teams in that playoff environment that proved to the organization that, there might be some bumps along the way. There's inevitably going to be bumps along the way when you bring him to the NHL, but he's ready, especially with what we know that they're not going to bring Victor Olsen back with one year remaining on his deal with the way that he played um, mm-hmm. in the second half of the season. Yeah, it's uh, Kulik. I mean, it's it's wild. Like these playoffs, yeah, the playoffs were very JJ-like. The regular season, though, it was like Olofsson when he first came over. Yeah. It was very similar to that, but... Uh, but we're talking about an eight. I mean, Olson was not 18 when he came over. Olson was what, 20, 22, 23, I think, when he finally he was came like over. 24. Like he was, he was yeah. a Calder Trophy finalist, I believe, at 25, 24 or 25. Like, yeah. which always raises that point. Well, how darn old can you right. be to be up for that trophy? But <laughs> yeah, he was older for sure. Right. So, uh, you know, and Victor scored 30 that year with Rochester and you're like, wow, okay, this guy's a player. It's like, well, yeah, he's been in Sweden for like three, four years. Of course he is. Kulik's 18. (laughs) He played in, he played in the Czech uh, extra league as a 17 year old. And it was, you know, people looked at the numbers when the Sabres drafted him, which is my favorite part. Teens playing in a men's, in men's leagues, not putting up huge points against, you know, 30 year old guys and played against like, Yarmir Yager. Yager Yager could be like his grandfather and he's played against him in the, in the, in the extra league and it's like well this guy only had like 11 points what's the big deal I don't see it it's like well he's 17 playing against you know like Martin Rusinski and in, in you know Thomas Placanitz like yeah of course he's not going to do that but then he puts he leads the Amherst in goal scoring in the regular season 24 yeah and he lit like, it up 
and use it against his peers at every opportunity along, you know, until. Right. So, yeah, he's. He's got it. He's got the swagger. And, like, what really impressed me, um, playing center, all right? Like, he hadn't played center full-time in a few years. Definitely, I think he was 15 the last time. He was really playing a lot of center as a player. Did it for the Amherst, including the playoffs. And he wasn't he wasn't a liability a lot of times. Really, you know, he picked it up quickly. At the beginning of the year, he didn't care about defense. Didn't care about it at all. Hated it. Hated mm-hmm. having to, to pay attention to those details. But they, you know, the coaching staff, Appert and Pekka, they drilled it into him. Like, dude, like you're not going to be in the lineup in the NHL if you don't follow this stuff. It doesn't matter how many goals you score. Like, and Victor Olsen's a great example. <laughs> yeah. Olsen didn't play. Like, defense is a big reason why Olsen wasn't playing anymore toward the end of the year. And um, oh, these are these take. are not hot takes at all. Yeah. These are not these are not hot pretty takes. accurate. So. Yeah. Yeah, Kulik figured that out. Uh, of course, he's going to have to have a strong training camp, um, a healthy training camp as well. But yeah, I think I think he's ready. Um, yeah, I think he's ready. I, that the the Pekka influence there—that's where more of the Paterka side comes out because Paterka needed that drilled into him. Like, dude, still the, the speed of the offensive game is that's it's great. You're doing awesome with that, but like you gotta you gotta back check. You gotta you gotta get in on some stuff. And yeah, he still needs he still needs a little bit of. Uh, uh, an en- encouragement on that side, <laughs> that side of things too. But boy, oh boy, it's 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 a real night and day kind of thing with with him and and you know it, it's different with Olafson just because you know Victor was older and you know maybe you, you play in the SHL defense should probably be already in your makeup at least a little bit. I mean Europe's the European games are definitely a, little, a bit more defensive. I mean. Sweden not as much as Finland. Finland defense is is a much much stiffer thing. But uh, but I mean, Kulik, jeez, man, he I, I laugh that he was just like he's like, yeah, no, I hate defense. Well, yeah, everybody does, man. Like, <laughs> welcome to life, pal. But like, uh, but the fact that he was taking it at least into some degree of, of seriousness through the playoffs, and at least getting in on the forecheck, you know, uh, getting in the way of guys. I mean. It's not asking a lot. <laughs> You're not yeah. asking to be Michael Pekka out on the ice, but just you know, don't don't do flyby checks. Don't do you know all the, all the stuff that drives coaches crazy. One of the main challenges for him at the next level, especially as being a younger player, right? I mean, I mean, it's easy to forget, but he's going to be 19 years old to start the next season. He's going to have to start to win more battles along the wall, like playing the wing in the NHL. Some of it is wall wall play, like that mm-hmm. contributed to a lot of the success that Casey Middlestead had. So that's it's going to come with time. He's going to have to get stronger. He's going to have to learn the nuances there working with the coaching staff. But you know, when it comes to the defensive side of things, I think he'll really benefit. It's going to, it's going to be a lot easier on the wing. Um, you know, when you're at center, that there's so many responsibilities. And the fact that he handled it as well as he did speaks – it speaks to just his willingness to do whatever it takes to get to the next level. Um, it's just this, – this roster in Rochester specifically, Joe – it's going to be pretty interesting to see how it evolves. I mean, Mershon and Prow are back. They both got two-year deals last summer, so they know they're going to have two of their key leaders, and there's going to be some interesting prospects coming next year. And one of them, of course, Ryan Johnson, pen yeah. to paper. Uh, we haven't talked about that yet in the podcast. He got a few practices in with Rochester, but I mean, there's no question he's going to be he's going to be in all situations defenseman mm-hmm. for the Amherst next season. Yeah, it's it's very encouraging to see that he that he did sign. And it turns out, I mean, 
it really turns out that like he wanted to be a college guy. He's a, he was a senior at Minnesota. He's let me finish my let me finish college. Let me just be done with it. Get my degree. Hang out with my buddies. Just have be done with it. Now, partially this par, partially some of my impatience is my own fault because I was still. Thanks, COVID. I was still thinking he was a junior. I was like, oh, he's still got another year to go. He's just like, well, no, I got another year of eligibility, but I'm done with school. And I looked at it and go, yeah, no, this was your fourth year. Jeez. I'm, you know, it was like one of those things where it's like, you know, time, time is lost to us. But, um, but I mean, it was time. And yeah, this guy wanted to finish college, which I don't blame him. Dude, I spent five years with college, you know, transferring and losing a semester and all that stuff. But like, you know, not everybody wants to go the Tommy boy Van Wilder route, but like he was just doing the straight up normal, normal ass college, you know, uh, college life route. So good for him, you know, cause serious stuff starts now. It starts the moment you put pen to paper and, you know, he came right in and practiced. I mean, he showed up at like 11 o'clock at night and was on, on the ice the next morning, on the ice the next morning for, for a pre pregame skate, you know, with the, uh, the black aces. But I mean, he's ready to go. And like, that's, that's exciting because he's, he's going to get a ton of ice time and he's, you know what? It's like, we've talked about in the, you know, previously when it came to, you know, his, you know, whether he was going to sign or not, his spot on the depth chart is pretty high up just because they don't have a lot of prospect defensemen right now. Yeah, I mean, their their decor is going to be really fascinating next year. They got Ryan Johnson, Zach Metza is going to be back, uh, who I, I really liked his game in the playoffs. Yeah. Nikita Novikov, you got Ethan Prowl. Curious to see who the Sabres have on a two-way deal there. Um, but when it comes to Johnson, the Sabres did a nice job building a relationship. It, one didn't really exist after all the firings, plus the pandemic. You couldn't go see him play. So I think a lot of it was he wanted to wait and see what, what what's this organization all about. He knew Botterill. He knew those those development coaches, but it was a whole different regime. So it took some time. It was always going to take time. They drafted him when he was 17 years old. Botterill knew this is a four-year guy. Like he's going to be He's going to be in college that long. But I sensed a change in Johnson when I spoke to him in, Jan- in January at Minnesota after a game. I could tell he was really impressed by what had happened in Buffalo. You know, I think going to development camp was a real big moment for him to see all the other talent the organization had accumulated since 2019 when he was drafted. There was going to be an opportunity there. Um, you know, he might not be a, a power play guy in the NHL because they got Darlene and, and Owen Power, but we've seen throughout the league and Ryan Johnson certainly has as well by paying attention that it doesn't matter. You're going to have opportunities to produce roles, change contracts expire. The salary cap era, it's so unpredictable that I think finally um, taking his time, which he's done from day one, Hey, Devin Levi took his time and no one criticized him for it. Right. Yeah. But I think a lot of fans were getting pretty antsy about Ryan Johnson and took it as some sort of indictment. But in the end, I think that they did a nice job commuting their development plan. I think that he really impressed them with the strides he took in his game, and they were significant strides as his mm-hmm. senior year. I think a year ago, you know, you were looking at Ryan Johnson's game, and it was based on conversations I had with people across the game. I, a lot of people just thought there's no way Buffalo signing him. They'd get the comp pick. His game hasn't, you know, hasn't moved far enough to where you would think they would take that risk, but. No, he he really proved them to them that he's ready for this. And yeah, like a, a pairing of Ryan Johnson and Nikita Novikov, please. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I just want to see what what Rochester is able to do on the back end next year because I think that 
You know, when you come to Buffalo, we looked at the D problems, the depth problems that, that the Sabres had last year. You need to start getting that prospect pipeline, you know, building and getting some young guys who can come to the NHL and can, can contribute. So you're not going out every summer and trying to improve the margins of your depth chart because you just don't have anything in the pipeline or the AHL contracts in Raj. Yeah. And, you know, the, you, you look at what they've got set up for next year uh on defense and they don't have a lot of guys signed uh they they really don't I, you know they they got uh Sevilov Komarov signed but he's going he'll be back in Quebec the Memorial Cup champion Quebec Remparts next year uh he'll be back there next season uh unless he somehow some way blows everybody away in camp and says no he's he's an NHL player I I don't foresee that happening but hey, hey weird weird things happen but like Rochester wise Johnson and Novikov are the guys that are basically you could pencil them into the lineup right now and everybody else who wide open because everybody else, uh, well, there's Metza, but like those three, uh, but you know, Sacconi is a UFA, Jeremy Davies, UFA, Lawrence pilots, UFA, Austin strands, a UFA, like all these guys are free agents and it's like, Oh, okay. Well, what are you going to do? Fill out the group. Cause Lord, I mean, AHL is always about turnover at every position always, but, the, they they they're gonna need some bodies. They're gonna need yeah. some guys that can like, play. They'll have Ethan Prowl back, but I suspect that Buffalo is gonna add what one or two on two way deals. You know, maybe yeah. one of those includes Ko Clegg, who's a, an RFA. We'll see what happens there with him. But you know, especially when with the way the Sabers play, we saw how transformative it was once they finally got Matias Samuelson. Once Owen Power arrived, so much the NHL nowadays to get your system going offensively, it's about your defensemen, it's about your ability to break the puck out, um, to defend your own zone and kill plays and get the rush going immediately. And you know, Metz is an interesting one for me too. Like even at five nine, I didn't know what to expect, but with more time, I thought he really hit his stride in the Hershey in the Hershey series and. Yeah. Just the aggressiveness, just getting pucks on that, just simple stuff, you know, and, and the willingness and I guess the, the confidence to just get, you know, to leave your spot near the blue line to get to the front, to, to create a screen, to make yourself an option, like, you know, a nice a nice flyer to take on a player like that. And I wonder, you know, what other AHL deals they're going to give out to, you know, maybe supplement what they've got down there. Yeah, and I think I think the way Mets have played, uh, it's a it's a good way to kind of sell things too for for guys that might be on the fence, you know, for you know, eh, do I want to play at Rochester? Do I want to play somewhere else? Uh, it's a good way to, to to show that yeah, no, you can sign and you can play right away and be. <laughs> I mean, Metza was playing top pair uh, for yeah. a game that Prow was out and didn't look out of place whatsoever. So you know that's. That's a, a strong uh, that's a strong statement to make for 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 that and also for the scouting department to say hey let's go let's go grab this guy he, he was obviously very good for Quinnipiac as on their way to the title but um, but yeah nice nice work there and you know what the, the forward group is gonna be fun there next year again yeah I mean, it will it, be it's yeah. you know you know assuming Rose, you know Rosane's gonna probably be in the AHL again uh, they signed Victor Noichev that's yeah, uh, as much of a coup as getting uh, Novikov into the fold uh, as well. I mean, it certainly helps their contracts were up, so that, that made it a little easier. But uh, you have to assume Kisikov's going to get some more ice time next season. You know, Cedarquist is back, Kozak, Olivier Nadeau. Uh, having him full-time now is going to be really interesting because he's a big body forward. Uh, does make you wonder about, what happens with Brett Murray considering, I mean, it's different yeah. styles of games, but similar 
type builds and styles, I guess. But yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. And Rusek, I mean, Rusek's RFA, but um, but I have to assume he'll be back easy. It's the same as Weiss back. Yeah, I mean, that Rusek, there was that, that rumor about Switzerland, but agents always float stuff like that to try to get leverage, especially when you have European players, because it's a card that they can play. I don't think Rusek's going to leave, because guess what? I think Don Granado and I think Kevin Adams, and I think a lot of people in the organization really think that he could be an NHL guy. Mm-hmm. He showed it, you know, in, in two games. I really like what Rusek could do. Um, curious to see what the next step is for him. It's a, it's a really, it's a fascinating for Murray's Murray's one that if the Sabres don't give him an opportunity, some other team will. And I think that yeah. I, I think he's going to be an NHL player. I do. I think that there's a lot there with the right system, the right, the right environment, um, the right coach. I, I, I think that, that Murray's going to, if he gets away, I think you're, you're going to have Rochester fans, Maybe do some revisionist history and say that the Sabres got it wrong there, but um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. He, he had a big year. I mean, that no question about that. Yeah, second on the team in goals. Like that's 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 reason enough to say like, hey, also uh, forty, almost fifty points this season too. Like it's a pretty strong year for for a big body dude who is beloved by by everybody. I keep going back to. A uh, story I wrote about him after he came out of, uh, you know, after he came out of Penn State and juniors, it was just, it, he was everybody's favorite player. Like the players loved him, the coaches loved everybody loved Brett Murray, and I don't see I don't see that being any different at all in Rochester. If if anything, it's even more so the case. So yeah, hard to see hard to see him hard to see him going anywhere unless it means going somewhere else for an NHL opportunity because might be a little might be tricky in Buffalo just because yeah. of the number of guys they have as well as I mean I mean right now there's technically an opening the NHL bit just because of Gergensen's is UFA and but you know yeah he was drafted but he wasn't drafted by Kevin Adams he wasn't acquired by Kevin Adams and that it's just the reality of the business right like you mm-hmm. know they brought in Jordan Greenway you got Nadeau coming up um Ciderquist yeah. is younger and you're not going to have waivers in play anytime soon, so we'll see. That's that's yeah. a player that I'm interested. I'm going to keep an eye on this summer to see what where Brett Murray stands because um, there's going to be interest if the Sabers, you know, if if they get him under contract and you know he's on that roster bubble and doesn't quite make it. Uh, before we move on, Joe, I just want to touch on the goaltending, Malcolm mm-hmm. Subban. I mean. Good for him. Uh, that's yeah. that's all I can really say. That at 29 years old, to have a, a career year, uh, answered a lot of questions people might have had about him. He had such bad luck the last few, and mm-hmm. to be basically the heartbeat of that team throughout the postseason and yeah. um, give them a chance to win basically every game, uh, which you can't really say it like as as brilliant as Hunter, Hunter Shepard was in that series against Rochester. Two of the games he didn't really give the bear is a great chance to win and you mm-hmm. can't say that about Malcolm Subban. And if the Sabres and, you know, decide to go in a different direction with um, their number three in the organization, Malcolm Subban's not going to have trouble finding work this summer no. after the way he played this year. No, he was, he was really impressive throughout the playoffs. Um, I, you know, I heard a couple of grumpy fans about uh, game four saying, like, how does he not get some of those? I'm just like, well, you know, talk to the guys in front of him about about a lot of that stuff uh, happening there. But man, oh, man, he was he was so strong throughout. And there was a lot of there was a lot of games where where he makes a stop and that's the inspiration for them to to 
to get it going to get the, you know, to get back into the game or to take over a game because he's made a couple of, you know, just absolutely ridiculous stops. And you're like, Whoa, okay. This guy's got it tonight. We can't let him down. Like that's, that's the kind of goaltending he was providing uh, for them in the playoffs. And uh, certainly I mean, he was a guy that was there where they absolutely needed him to, to hold down the fort while things were getting, getting a little bit hot in their end of the ice because, Boy, oh boy, there was there was a lot of moments where it was getting getting a little anxious with the other team, you know, uh, kind of holding it down, and he made sure it stood up. That was yeah. a really good job by him. They would have been swept by Syracuse if it wasn't for Malcolm Subban. Mm-hmm. This, this would have ended weeks ago. So, like, he was so good in big moments, buying time for them to get to their game and to figure it out, breakaway stops, it's just – Really, really good. We'll get to. We might have time for goaltending in this episode. If not, we'll get into it next time. Um, but if if he's, I think he proved a lot of people wrong. And um, yeah, just good for him. Um, Joe, this you know, we, we you mentioned Nadeau. He's been around the team for a few weeks. Noah Osland was around for about a week. Yeah, before he returned That's to right. Sweden. Mm-hmm. No surprise at all. Official on Monday. He is going back to Sweden next season, as expected. This was his plan all along. Gets to go to the Swedish Hockey League. Jurgarden did not went, did not earn promotion um, mm-hmm. from the second tier league, and that allowed Oslin to be free to field other offers and ends up with a really good team for on a one-year deal where he's going to take his development. And in his view, he's always wanted to win an SHL title. He told us you know, a few minutes after he was drafted, that was his goal. One year in, with Jerry Garden, and then he wanted to win an SHL championship in 2024 before joining joining the Sabres and heading to North America. Well, he's going to have that opportunity. Um, Joe, does this, does this put him a little behind, though? Because you look at he's going to have to eventually get used to the North American game, the physicality of it. You know, as much as he's going to get a ton of ice time over there, at least he's expected to, you know, play in all situations. It's a different game. Um, yeah. It might make the the transition to, I don't you know, as much as I think he, he's hopeful that he'll go right to the Sabres and right to the NHL after this. I, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. Yeah. It's, um, I've been kind of on this thought about uh, with with him just because it's you know you, you're seeing I mean you're seeing the, some of the Russian guys coming over now which is you know that's huge um, and you, now you were seeing uh, you know guys like Kulik take off and I mean these are guy this is the guy that was in his draft class but. You're seeing guys that are making the move to come over here to be either, you know, either they're going to play in Buffalo or they're going to play in Rochester. And, you know, Oslin comes over and, you know, he gets a peek and he would have been skating. You know, Kevin Adams told us that he would have been skating with the team if he had not been hurt here, the la- you know, uh, at the end of the season. So that, that that's that's something else. But um, I, can't, it, I can't help but think this puts him kind of out, of, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And, you know, we. we we talk about guys where, you know, if the Sabres are going to make a move for a defenseman or a goalie in this offseason, you're going to have to part with somebody. Because if you're going to, if you're making a trade for for either of them, you're going for a top tier type of player. Like you're getting, a, you know, an absolute number one goalie or you're getting an, uh, a defenseman that's going to pair with Owen Power. And to get a guy that's the, of that caliber, you have to give up quality. And 
Oslin's a guy that was, you know, he was drafted 16th. He's got a lot of talent there, but he's not here. And, you know, I, you know, I get it. Like they're, you know, he's going to go to a team uh, in Vecture or Vecua, Vecture. I forget how to pronounce it. I know Vax everybody. Joe. Vax, yeah, Vax Joe. Yes. Um, but it's, um, I can't help but think this puts him, puts him in a position where his rights get moved um, this off season, just because again, we've seen what Rosane can do. We've seen the progress he's made that to me takes him kind of out of the mix for that. They're not trading Cooley. We know that <laughs> like that's never happening. They're not trading Savoy. That's definitely not going to happen. I, at least in my mind. Um, so that to me puts Oslin right in that place where maybe he's a guy they part with. Now, yeah. obviously it's a little different because Adams and, and his group have drafted him. They like him a lot. There's all that, but I don't know. I, I this it's it's a spot where you know I I don't know how Adams and them feel about him staying another you know another year in Sweden. Granted, if you know if they're aware this is what he wanted to do, then hey, cool. Like you go into it knowing that. But at the same point, you know you're you're seeing Savoy right in front of your face doing great. You're seeing Kulik right in your backyard playing great and performing in the AHL as a kid. And you're like, all right, man, like when you coming over, dude, like in my mind, it puts pressure on the situation, which the pressure may not actually exist. Yeah. um, A few things there. I I think that we know that Kevin Adams is, it's going to take a lot for him to part with a player like that. Um, Mm -hmm. First round draft choice center skilled center at that. Um, who he picked with a very, you know, that's that's the Vegas pick. I, I, I yeah. think that mean that that means something. It, it really mm-hmm. does. You know, that's that's part of the Eichel trade. I don't think that Noah Oslin is the type of player or prospect that you move for a defenseman. Now, goaltending, <laughs> Connor Hollebuck is the only guy that if I can get him, that's. I'm keeping Oslin unless it gets me Connor Alibuck. And I know that a lot of people are against it because he's a rental. It's a conversation for later. But does it change things? I do know that the Sabres were expecting this. They expected from not only the moment they drafted him, but even when they brought him to Rochester last month to get that little introduction, they thought, well, maybe, you know, hey, we'll try to sell him on it. This is an introduction. He gets to see what he's around. He gets to see how well the team is playing. He gets to meet the coaching staff. It, if it works out and – you know, he has conversations with Rosane and, and Cedarquist, and they love it. Great. You know, that's that's a huge boom. You know, it gets him closer. But if not, it's fine. We know that he's going to be in a good situation. So I think that's the way they're viewing it. But, yeah, I mean, when you're looking at if they are going to get to that point in their plan to where they're willing to move a prospect, are they more willing to do so? If the ask is somebody like Osland who's not around, then yeah, I think so. And I think the, the team look, looking to acquire someone, Osland might be higher on their list because he's got that extra the extra year on his entry level, whereas Roseanne played a year. Like that's it, that's a thing. Like that's that's part of the contract negotiation, especially if you're you know the team for like Winnipeg and hey, like we're we're not really probably going to compete right away. Like this is a guy that we want to bring in later now. And what strikes me when I look back at Oslin, I remember him at development camp and how good he was. And I asked Jack Quinn, who you know, surprisingly did compete at development camp. But I said, hey, like, who stood out to you? Who was the guy on the ice who, who wowed you the most? He immediately brought up Noah Oslin. <laughs> like, uh, with how good and how skilled he was and how just impressed he was with that kid. And we saw how, how 
really strong he played in a second-tier league in Sweden. He's a good player. Uh, not mm-hmm. somebody I would move unless it's unless it's that premium player that's going to get you over the hump. And, you know, we look at the defensemen that are available, Joe, and I know we're going to talk so much about that topic in the weeks and you know, probably the weeks to come leading up mm-hmm. to free agency. But to me, it's got to be a game changer if you're parting with a prospect of that, of that caliber. And to mm-hmm. me, it's it's Connor Hellebuck, and I don't even know if there's a second person on that list. He's a top three, top five goalie, and I don't care if it's a rental. Mm-hmm. That's we see in the Stanley Cup final right now. Aiden Hill and Bobrovsky, they didn't get overused. And look how fresh they've been like fresh goalies have won in the playoffs. It's the, yeah. the overused guys who have really struggled. So I know everyone's fearful about Devin Levi. Well, he's got to play what he would still play if you go ahead and you get <laughs> you get a goalie like Connor Hellebuck, who I'm sorry, like. Uh, and I like UPL. I, I, I have belief in him as a goalie. I think there's a lot of talent there. But if you can put a package together of Oslin, UPL, and you get you still get to keep your first round draft pick. Yeah, I'm doing that mm-hmm. nine, you know, 10 times out of 10. I'm saying yes to that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's just it, it's something that's just been in my mind and. Perhaps the uh, the out of sight, out of mind thing is is why I'm guilty of, of thinking this. Uh, I've just, well, that's fair. You know, and Cooley I mean, can play center. Like Cooley should like. So you you've got that you've got that center depth. You're feeling better about. You got Middlestad who can play center. For me, mm-hmm. I am a little less eager to part with Austin right now because I want to see what Peyton Krebs does. I want to see yeah. where Middlestad goes. It's still a little too soon for me to give up a center prospect who I I really like what I've seen from him, but there's there is one exception for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> what's the thing like uh i mean you could um you can always draft another center well and they do have the 13th pick you know and that's what my logic was when i've argued it you know the last couple of weeks is like if if you're picking 13 and i i don't know how much draft prep all of our listeners have done or how much they paid attention to prospects but you're gonna get a really good player at that spot and right and, and not again, one that like, you need right away either. Yeah, Savoy can play center. Like, well, well, I'm just saying, I'm I'm open to it if it gets you a Vesna winning goaltender who gets you into the playoffs and gives you a serious chance at winning. Um, and this team thinks it has a very serious chance at winning when they look at what happened with the Florida Panthers. Kyle Ockposer brought mm-hmm. it up to us in his 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 Zoom call a few weeks ago after signing that contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I just it's uh, Connor Hellebuck. I'm sorry, right. like, I know well, people I know, are like, I'm, it's a, I'm with you a hundred percent on that. People like, are saying it's a rental, it's a rental, but it's time. Yes. Like it's time. I think that they need they need to try to win now. Um, and you know what that would do for every other player in your group that you went out, you did that. What mm-hmm. that's what message you're sending to Rasmus Dahlin going into a contract mm-hmm. negotiation. What you're saying to Owen Power, yeah, we're not messing around. We're going to go right. out. And we love Devin Levi. He's the goalie of the future. It's a one-year deal. But guess what? Like, saddle up. We're trying to win. Right. Because if you don't do it, Detroit or Ottawa might. And that's that's yep. part of the thinking for me as well. Boy, those are the <laughs> – Ottawa's the one I would be most concerned yes. doing that. Because, Same. boy, they stepped in at knee-deep trading, trading Philip Gustafson for Cam Talbot last summer. Holy smokes, man. I, I just, I mean, like, I get it. Like, I, I got it at the time because you're like, you needed that reassurance. You needed, you know, you're like, I need the vet. We need the veteran. We need the guy that can take us there. 
they didn't know that they had the guy that could t- could take him there sitting right in their pocket already. Oh man! And that you know Detroit. I to me Detroit just needs a better backup goalie. Give Vili Huso a break. Yeah, I, I better get break. That. Yeah, <laughs> and I I just think the I I'm not gonna call it that. But what Steve Eiserman has done the last couple of years. Great job drafting, developing, but going out and spending a bunch of money on Ben Sherratt and David Perron yeah. last summer. What were you doing? Like, mm. And then you trade away important pieces at the deadline to not make the playoffs when you it's yeah. yeah that that made no sense to me. I'm sure that people in Sabres hockey operations love. I'm sure they were thrilled to see it because that just yeah. it it hasn't made much sense there the yeah. last last couple of years with what they've done with player personnel and their actual NHL roster. Yeah, that the Ben Sherratt one kills me. The David Perron one, not so much, just because it was only a two-year thing, and Perron played pretty damn well too. Like he did everything he was supposed to do. But I don't, I never understood giving Sherratt four years. Like nothing about what he did was like, yeah, give him four, and also make sure it's close to five million a year. Like that, none of that made any sense, especially because Jake Wallman turned into an incredible defenseman Good under fine. the watch, like. Yeah. Holy smokes, dude. Like that dude, like he went from being like off everybody's radar to being like, oh, that's the guy you put with Moritz Cider. Okay, cool. Like, crazy. Like the blue, like the blues, you're telling me the blues didn't have a spot for that guy? Like, come on. Apparently they didn't. I know we're going to talk about goalies a lot. Is there another guy that's available, thought to be available, trade or free agency that you would also make a play for to? to not go with Devin Levi and UPL. They're going with Devin Levi. He's going to be in the right. NHL. We know that. The rest of the plan is is what's, I think, up, up for grabs here. Is there somebody, is there another guy that's out there that you would want to go get? Because See, I'm, I'm more mad you said who's who's available because, yeah. because the not available list starts with UC Soros. Yeah, he's not going to be available. Like, that's the I, guy that I, I would want, but he's there's no way Barry Trotz is trading him. No way. No yeah. shot. No, I, I, they're gonna they're leaning into that strength. They they're gonna have him and Askarov, and you need two now. You need two. So yeah. if you could have two like that, mm-hmm. so I know like Saros's name's gonna get brought up inevitably because he's talented. The contract situation. I'm with yeah. you. There's yeah, no way they're moving. Two him. years left. Uh, five million. I have some very affordable. Uh, he's he's the sole reason Nashville got back into the playoff race last season. Like they had they were without yeah. their top two of their top scorers and Forsberg and Johansson, and then. They still almost he almost drag them into the playoffs like that's that's what he can do. Like he's he's in the same category as Hellebuck as far as I'm concerned, because that's that's just it's that's too easy of a comparison to make. Anybody else out there? I don't think so. Like, yeah. you wanna, I don't you take I a don't, swing with Markstrom. No, no, like, I don't think Varlamov is going anywhere. I think they're going to keep I think the Islanders are keeping him. Vladar is going to end up in Toronto. That's is. I mean, come on, like yeah. tree living's getting him from, from Calgary, John <laughs> yeah. Gibson. What we think John Gibson in Pittsburgh, probably if, if he goes anywhere, yeah. he requested Although, a trade. I know the, Kevin Adams has shown interest in the past. So I know it's the contract. It's, it's the contract. Four years left on the contract. It's the term ah. for me that I think yeah. that's, I think th- Kevin Adams is going to make the call, not only on Hellebuck, but I think he's going to end up calling out about a few goalies as well as defensemen because that's been his track record since day one. If he if he views uh, an area on his roster as a need or a potential need, he's at least going to check in to see what the price is. Right. 
So yeah. you're going to hear, like, I know we haven't heard them link the goalies yet. It's inevitable. Yeah. Buckle up. I think mm-hmm. they're going to be very careful about it, though, because they don't want, if they do bring UPL back, they don't want it to see it, see that as a reflection of how they believe in them. I do think they have internal belief on UPL, but if they can get an established goalie who can really take pressure off of Devin Levi, they're going to do it for the right yeah. price. Just It's all the, about the price. That's all it is. The UPL thing kills me because they weren't as adamant on support about him a year ago. No, they were they not weren't. like pound the table. He's, you know, we believe in him like they were at the end of the season, which I'm like raises a flag with me. Cause I'm just like, Oh, you believe in him now? That's interesting. They're, they're they are protecting themselves in the event that he is back because you don't want to bring him back and for the kid to think that you don't believe in him. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So they want, they're trying to send the right messages because they know that although they are in the goalie market, a lot of teams are in the goalie market. So right. the prices might be too high. It might not work out. They, they mm-hmm. It's got to be the right fit because you got to bring in the right personality to, to really be a part of that tandem with Devin Levi. The worst thing you want, the last thing you want to do is bring in some jerk to come in and work with Devin Levi and just be like a miserable dynamic. So, right. So I, I think they are protecting themselves there. Would they be okay with it? Sure. Like, but I mean, what are the alternatives, right? Like, <laughs> you know, it, I, yeah. I think in the end, they're not going to, I, in the end, I think it is going to be those two because I, I just think that another team is going to be more willing to, to spend assets to get Hellebuck than the Sabres. Yeah. Uh, how mad would people be if Aiden Hill, they signed Aiden Hill to like a two or three year contract and say like, well, he showed us in the playoffs. He can, he can do it. I think right. you'll have I mean, he's been an okay are, goalie, but like, he's in his crease so deep, like yeah. and the way that team de- is defending and playing right now. All, hey, he's played well. I'm not trying yeah. to take too much away from him, but I want to take at least a little bit away from him because he's not, <laughs> he's not playing at the level to where I would go and throw a bunch of money at him. Right. Um, I, I'd be very careful about doing that. Yeah. Um, it's tricky. Yeah. Hey, like the, the goalie market, there's teams need like there's a few teams that need one. It's going to be tough to get to get a good like Tristan Jari. No, thank you. Nope. That's a that's a hard pass because yeah. if he could stay healthy, maybe. Yeah. And even maybe. when he was healthy, he, he wasn't good. He just wasn't good enough. So certainly not last two seasons ago. He was pretty good. Yeah, he was an all star. I get it. But he was terrible in the playoffs. Um, yeah. And playoff struggles were a big reason why. So uh, we'll see. It, it's yeah. it's going to be because I think that and I think in a perfect world, they probably go out and get like a, a true a true number one type goalie to work in tandem with Levi. And then you have Eric mm-hmm. Comrie in Rochester. But, you know, I, I just no, don't see that happen. Comrie would be about that, but not yeah. happy at all. No, but <laughs> but like. I mean, realistically, I, I don't know if Eric Comrie showed enough to where he would get claimed last year. I really like injuries happen. Arizona exists. Chicago exists. You never yeah. know, but um, <laughs> we'll see. I, I I think in the end, with what we've seen, Adam's track record, his reluctance to part with real high end pieces, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if there's going to be enough fit to get to get something as as juicy of a pickup as is Connor Hellebuck, although I, you know, I would be all on board for them doing so. I think that that is the type of aggressive move they're move they're ready to make if it's the right one. Yeah, it's uh, you mentioned Chicago, and I'm like, well, there's your Connor Hellebuck, you know, like trade for him, give up, you know, 
you got 8,000 draft picks, give up some of that <laughs> and then sign them to a, a Bobrovsky contract and, you know, call it a day and say you're ready to, to blast forward into the future with, with Bedard and everybody else. But yeah, I, 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 it's something I've been having to do a bleach report is like any big name thing. Now it's like, what teams would, could be interested? And I'm like, Chicago. And they're like, no, they're not ready yet. And I go, they will be. <laughs> it's, they're they're, they're going to throw money at a couple of players. Now. <laughs> like they've like, got, they have two after, after this season, they have two contract commitments. They got to get to the floor too. Like you can only well, trade for yeah. so many guys who are on just frequenting golf courses and not playing any <laughs> hockey. It's it's challenging to get too many of those guys. So like they'll probably overpay Max Domi. Like it seems. Yeah. You know, can, I just it's so weird looking at their cap friendly and next year the, it's Seth Jones and Connor Murphy. That's yeah. that's it. And they might move Murphy. <laughs> like, I, like we'll see. I don't. They're never going to be able to move that Jones contract. But. No. No. We'll see if Connor Murphy's you know value is still what it used to be. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's those two guys, and then they're still paying two million to Jake McCabe from the the deal with Toronto. Like, I I, I just got I could see Detroit finding a way to to get Hellebuck. He's from Michigan. Like yeah, yeah. You know he'd want to go there. You know that that's the it's a big piece that, mm-hmm. that they're missing, and they've got so many assets that they could go send to Winnipeg. So I don't know if I don't know if Ottawa has the ammunition to go to get it done because of the Jacob Chikrin trade, which hasn't really worked out all that well for them so far. But right. um, yeah, yeah, the Kings new ownership probably, can do a lot of things, man. Like that is that is fun. true. That is true. We all know that that team is inevitably going to get at least a new head coach next season. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, new they might have to do everything next yeah, season. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they probably should. I think it's time. I think it's time. You know, it's impressive. We were able to do this entire podcast, and we've gone a little bit long. We haven't mentioned uh, the Stanley Cup final apart from Aiden Hill and the seven former Sabers that are taking part in that Stanley Cup final, of which I think everybody knows very well who two of them are and then also yeah. Brandon Montreal, yeah hey jack is really jack's he's played well up. he's played really well uh this is it, this is also the role that they acquired him to play right like marcia mm-hmm. show has been dynamite stone's yeah. been really good despite the like he had eichel hasn't had to carry them every night like that's yeah. not he can't n- many players can't do that it's too high of an ass especially with the pressure and everything else he's just been a piece of the puzzle and he's he's really excelled and then with mm-hmm. reinhardt i mean nobody's i think that this is kind of his game's been pretty steady um yeah he's been again, good since he landed there man he's yeah and even in different roles right i think his role mm-hmm. his role dropped a bit this year under maurice they were using more on the third line because they needed him to stabilize their lineup and then he's he never it. got he's never gotten the opportunity at center like he did in Buffalo. I thought that they might give him a shot there. I mean, you mm-hmm. saw what he was able to do for a few weeks under Don Granado. But yeah, um, I thought it was hilarious before the deadline that people were actually suggesting they might trade him. They're not. I, yeah. I thought it was crazy because of how well he was playing. I thought that mm-hmm. team had a chance. And you know, here we are. Um, yeah. You know, hey, good for Casey Fitzgerald. I wish he would get into a game, though. 
Yeah, I, it was very weird watching uh, Sabres legend Zach Dalby in Game One. That was <laughs> that was that was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> uh, uh, Brandon I, Montour could play forward, so oh. <laughs> Ralph Kruger probably thinks he is one. <laughs> we played him there one time. Oh man, boy, did he hate that! He uh, hated, he hated it. forward so yeah. much. God, he I, brought he, it up a few times in a tongue-in-cheek type of way, like. <laughs> Well, I remember asking him straight out one time a couple weeks, and oddly enough, it was against Florida, where he played. He uh, made a hop in because Rodriguez got hurt. They went in 11-7. Rodriguez got hurt, and they're like, oh, we need to put a guy up front. We've got to play another forward. And Montour got the call. I think that was under Phil, though. It might have been under Phil. No, it was under Ralph. No, Ralph. Bogosian came back that night from injury. Bogo scored a That's goal. Right. and That's right. Yep. He, he was – Handling his pre- his po- his post game presser as if he just won the Stanley Cup and scored the winning goal, <laughs> shocking to everybody who knows the personality. But jeez, oh, came back man. from surgery, dude. Like, no need to be a jerk in your post game presser when you guys yeah. just probably lost to the Florida Panthers. But go yeah, for it. but I remember I remember asking Montour straight out about like what was it like playing forward. He's like, I hated it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he also hated like, playing the left worse. side, which we want to go back up there. Like, oh, okay, man. Like, uh, you scored a goal, you know. He's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Put me on D. Like, oh. If you want a manual on how to misuse and just ruin the value of a right shot defenseman with with skill, you can just go back and track his tenure in Buffalo. <laughs> what a brutal disaster of an yeah. experiment with the way they tried to use him and like hey, right shot d play the left all the time but i don't do well there yeah just yeah. play left side yeah when the part. player makes it pretty clear to everyone like eh, i'm just not real comfortable there nope keep doing it <laughs> yeah, just go back there it's it's great you can we handle it John i don't more like in the lineup it. tonight brandon come on all <laughs> goes back and we're shopping him for a seventh round pick can you please play forward for us no what? we're not trying to win what's that we we had to buy out Bogo. Oh, whoops! Because <laughs> he wasn't happy getting mixed in and out of the lineup after coming back from another hip surgery and and asked to go to Rochester, or I guess told yeah. that he had to go to Rochester. Yeah, and then it was like, no, I'm not going there. You can shocking. go to hell. <laughs> yeah, shocking. Yeah. I mean, um, hey, listen, he won a cup, so it worked out. Worked out. Yeah, Victor good. Hed- Victor Hedman makes people look good. Yeah, well, that's. Hey, listen, you know, if you're going to hit your wagon to somebody, that's a pretty good guy. To that's do. true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we've we've reached the shit talking portion of the show, which means we've got to <laughs> we, wrap things up a little bit here. So, uh, Lance, let uh, let everybody know where they can find your work. Uh, thank you, Joe. You can find my work in the Buffalo News and print and online. And of course, you can find me on Twitter. Twitter, um, L-L-Y-S-O-W-S-K-I. It's been nice. I've been trying to take a little bit of a breather from there, using yeah. it as minimal as possible. But, um, mm-hmm. well, as soon as the Stanley Cup final ends, that'll, that moratorium will be over. So, Joe, what about yourself? Yeah, same. You can also find me on uh, Elon's Moron Box, uh, at Joe Yerdon, J-O-E-Y-E-R-D-O-N. I'm in the same box. I've been trying to stay off it as much as humanly possible because uh, they don't like to share my links there anyway. So they can kiss my ass anyways uh you can find you still find me there though smile um <laughs> you can find me there find me at bleacher report doing a lot of uh playoff writing lots of uh daydreaming writing 
including you know trying to scheme up trades for uh, to get the number one pick away from Chicago, uh, which was really fun to write. I won't lie. Uh, we'll have a lot about Connor Bedard this weekend with the draft and the or the combine, I should say, not the draft. It's the combine. Uh, have a lot of stuff there. Also noted hockey, lots of Sabers and Amherst writing there now. Uh, had a couple of pieces recently about Matt Savoy and Ryan Johnson. Uh, we'll have something else new up there um, soon-ish. So, yeah, so lots to find there. Subscribe to me there, uh, $5 a month, nice and easy. Uh, you can do that for me there and, you know, make my summer a little easier by subscribing. That's that's what you can do. Anyway, uh, Lance, thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening this week. We will be back to you again uh, in the near future or just the future in general. Anyway, uh, we'll catch you oh, again next week. time. Yeah, yes. Bye-bye. <laughs>